Amen. What a presence of God. How many knows that that day is going to become a reality? Amen. Amen. One day, one day, we're going to cross that river. Elsewise, the rapture takes place and we're all caught up. That would be wonderful too. But I promise you this, it's going to be a glorious day. And nothing in this life that we'll ever face of the enemy uh, will be worth turning our backs on God. The God who has kept us, who's able to keep us by his mighty strong hand today. If you love him, give him a hand of praise. And thank him for his wonderful presence in this place. Uh, again, we're so glad to have you and appreciate each and every one of you and all that you do for the kingdom and uh, glory of God. And we're looking forward uh, in anticipation of the great things that lie ahead. And I'll tell you, there are some great things that lie ahead. The greatest thing, Jesus is coming. But until then, there's some great things that lie ahead. And I believe the Lord himself is going to speak in a very special way. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18. And uh, while you're turning there, stand with me, if you will, all over the church, if you can. Again, one more time, look at somebody around you. Tell them I'm glad you're here again. Amen. Why would, why would you see, keep focusing on that? You know why I'm glad you're here? Because if you're here, that means you're in the right place for God to speak to your heart and your life. Amen. There are those that are not able to be here. We pray they're watching by social media. But we're believing God is going to speak to them in a very special way as well. How many came to be changed? came to be changed. We continue today with the second part in the series that God has led me into concerning the Absalom spirit. 2 Samuel chapter 18 verse 9 through 10 reminds us, and I want to read those two verses again, reminds us of the end of Absalom. And Absalom met the servants of David and Absalom rose upon a mule and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak. And his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth. And the mule that was under him went away. A certain man saw it, told Joab, and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning, and let us pray. Father, we just love you, and we thank you for the privilege we have again to come together as a, a body, as a church, as a people. God, I pray that you would let every everything, Father, that may be rolling through our minds, God of the enemy, just begin to make its way to the foot of the cross right now, Lord. Let us lay aside those thoughts and, and things that would hinder us from positioning our very spirit and our mind, our soul from being transformed by your word today. God, let us be the people, Father, who hunger as a deer panteth for the brooks and streams of water. Lord, my soul hungers and pants and longs after you. Lord, let our hearts desire 
God, for you to accomplish your purpose and your will in us today. Make us a better church. Make us a church that is on the guard. Make us a church, Father, that is more anointed than we were yesterday. Make us a church that is accomplishing. Make us a church that is loving. Make us a church that is forgiving. Make us a church that is pressing forward only in the grace of God and not our own strength. Lord, let us, God, today rest in this, knowing, Father, that where you're leading us is far greater than yesterday that we have passed. And we'll give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last week we talked about the Absalom spirit and we began by sharing this very scripture. I prayed as there's so much there in these few chapters here, Second Samuel, that covers the very life of Absalom. I prayed that God would show me where to build a foundation upon and I, I could not do anything but be led to the very end of Absalom's life uh, because how many knows that the enemy would love to do everything he can to produce this end in your life. He wants to do everything he can to produce an end, amen to God, that is despairing, that is defeated, that is uh, one over the hand of the enemy. But God desires to do greater things in us. How many wants God to do greater things in us? How many wants God to do God things in us? How many wants God to lead us? How many wants God to guide us? How many today wants God to lead your every step day by day into the very purpose and the very plan that he has for you, for your family, for your church? How many desires for the ministry that God has called you to to be blessed? How many desires for the anointing of God to rest upon your life in a very powerful way so that other lives can be changed by the glory and grace of God in your life? I want to tell you that there were some questions that are very important when we begin to think about uh, what happened to Absalom and when we begin to think about uh, the enemy and how he desires to do all that he can to mess up uh, what God's trying to do in your life. Amen. How many knows that when you're listening to the radio and a good song comes on, uh, amen, if you're in a place uh, listening to FM radio and that signal starts getting messed up, uh, you get frustrated, don't you? Come on, somebody. Amen. I want to tell you the devil wants to bring static in uh, in your life. He wants to do all he can to disrupt your ability to hear clearly, to think clearly, to move clearly into the plan and purpose of God within your life. He's a disruptor. He's a divider. He knows how to destroy. He's good at it. He's the master of it. Amen. I want to tell you there have been some folks in life we thought uh, could tear some things up. But I'm telling you the devil is the master of it. He knows how to destroy. He knows how to divide. He knows how to mess you up. He, he knows how to get your mind on things that are not important. He knows how to get your mind on things that are not of God. He knows how to keep you from walking in the, in the mindset and the grace of God. But I come to tell somebody today that God has led this in my spirit that we 
can raise up the very things of the enemy so that we as a church can be on the guard and know what to guard against. As we as a people, it doesn't matter who we are, we are subject to fall into the pitfalls of the enemy if we don't draw near to God. Give him praise if you want to. If we don't draw near to God daily, we are subject to fall into the pitfalls of the enemy. If we don't draw near to God on a regular basis, amen to God, no matter who you are, you're subject to fall into the pitfalls of the enemy. That's why it's important for us to know uh, our enemy and know him well. Know him when he begins to move, to have a, such a, a, a relationship with God and a discernment about us uh, that we are able to sense and to know how to guard ourselves from things. This is why God has led me to the spirit of Absalom. And this is why we see some things that have happened in Absalom's end. Uh, oh, come on, somebody. That, that, that if he would have guarded himself against it might not have turned out this way, but come on now, somebody ought to understand that God doesn't want you hanged out by the enemy. He wants you lifted up by his glorious hand. He don't want you destroyed. He wants you victorious. And every battle that comes your way may be a battle that sometimes seems like the enemy's winning, but I got news for you. God is gonna win the war. The war is won in God. There are times that we go through seasons personally in our life and struggles. Don't be afraid of the battle. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Guard yourself by drawing near to God. Don't resist the devil. Resist the devil. Don't resist God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Somebody ought to understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Somebody ought to understand that we as the children of God need to rise up in the grace and promises of God and be the church courageous and bold that God has called us to be and march forward in guarding ourselves against everything the enemy is trying to do to stop us from being the church that God has called us to be. Preacher, why are you going this way? What does this have to do with Absalom? Thank you. I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you for asking because the enemy wants to shut down and hinder every strong march of every church of every Christian denomination of every God believing Jesus following people to keep us disquieted in such a time as this but I'm telling you they're trying to shut up everybody who's talking about Jesus they're trying to do everything they can to disrupt they'll laugh at the church that is falling apart they'll laugh at a church amen where the enemy has raised and is working his will to stop they'll laugh at you, but give us a church that'll rise up in God and say, I'm nothing, but he's everything, and he's going to be everything. It's not about me. It's about him. This is the generation that God has called us to in purpose. Someone made a statement the other day. On TV, you'll find all about covid you turn it on, you'll hear about COVID. You'll hear about the mask. We got a problem spreading all across this world. 
COVID is has gone across the globe and affected so many lives. He said, but you never hear them give a newscast and say we got a problem called sin. We got a sin problem. A sin problem that is keeping us from walking in the place where God has called us to walk. A sin problem that needs to be dealt with. Well, who better to deal with it but those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. A sinner ain't going to preach about sin, but somebody who knows what it means to be set free, he'll tell somebody, amen, what the Lord has done. He'll tell somebody about Jesus. He will spread the good news of hope, but the enemy wants it quiet. Let's keep it in the church. Don't go nowhere with it. Keep it in the church. Keep it on your Sunday morning. Keep it on your Wednesday night. Don't talk about it in the street. But let me tell you the best news this world could ever hear is better than any agenda that the enemy is trying to perpetuate on people today and that is simply this oh help me Holy Ghost I, the, de the devil's trying to keep me from saying it but I'm going to say it anyway you mean the devil's in here yeah he don't want me to say we're holding up signs about everything this life matters and that life matters and all these things matter. Let me go ahead and tell you what matters. What matters is the cross over 2,000 years ago where heaven's blood was spilt for all humanity. This is what matters today and this is the message. They'll ridicule you. They'll argue with you over this, but I promise you this. They can keep their agendas and dialects until Jesus comes, and it will never take the place of a cross on Calvary where blood was shed, where the Son of God had laid upon that cross, and they'd driven those nails into his hands and to his feet. Amen. And the Lord gave his Son for our life because of sin. Because of prejudice, because of jealousy. Woo! Because of an Absalom spirit, the Lord gave his son because of everything that is broken and sinful. So why do we need to guard against the Absalom spirit? Because we do not need to allow ourselves to try to overthrow the sovereign purpose of God. Amen. The purpose of God, let me stop here and slow down just a minute, but the purpose of God is why we do what we do. Amen. Some people get their license, Bishop probably knows what I'm talking about. Some people get their license to, to, to preach or to, to do ministry because they want to be seen. Some people do it because of the passion of the call. Everything we do is about purpose. 
but it's about God's purpose. Everything we're called to is not for us to tell God how to do it, but for us to follow his guidance and leadership. Everything we do in our life and when questions come, we find that solace in the leadership of God's word. We find the sovereign purpose of God in the midst of all this. Uh, Last week we talked about bitterness and we talked about bitterness with leadership. We talked about how important it is for us to come to a place within our life that we, we embrace what God loves. We embrace what God desires. God, don't, 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 give, don't give us a church full of folk that want to do everything they want to do and not what God wants to do. Don't, don't, don't give us a people who, who, who will come in and say, well, you know, we're going to do this my way rather than seek God's way. Everything we do as a people from boards, from ministries, from departments should not be a struggle except against the enemy. Victoriously, we march against him. Let me say that again. Victoriously, we march. I'm a winner. I don't know about you. Why? Because I got Jesus on my side. If you got Jesus on your side, you're a winner. I march forward. I march forward knowing this, that we are against the enemy. We're marching against the very nature and plan and agenda of the enemy. It's been the case since the beginning of time. And so we come to a place where we understand that leadership is important. And it's important that we understand that God positions them. And we're dealing with Absalom now who uh, last week we talked about was frustrated with his father over some things that happened in the kingdom. Last week we talked about this. We talked about his demise, his bitterness with his leadership. Today I want to remind you that he allowed himself to feed off of a toxic emotion to a degree that he became engulfed in it. What does that mean, preacher? If you hang around the enemy long enough and quit hanging around God, you're going to get engulfed in the intoxicity of the enemy. Oh, let me say that one more time. The devil, I want it to sink in. The devil wants you to get connected to his toxicity so that he can engulf you in it. And when this happens, it it has the potential to affect decisions and actions and ultimately create division. Let me say what what the Bible speaks of bitterness in this fashion. In Ephesians chapter 4, he said, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. Oh, I think sometimes people think it says, Be ye indifferent to one another and hate one another. And be unforgiven to one another. And crucify one another for their past. And push them away instead of pulling them in. No, it says, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ forgave you. Amen. How many remember what he done for you? 
Woo. I remember the day when he changed my life. But he goes on in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15, and he says this, Follow peace with all men and holiness. With, without no man shall see the Lord. That's a heavy statement. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, toxicity, spring up or trouble you, and thereby you become defiled. It's destructive, divisive. Bitterness is, a, is, is something that will eat away at your soul and it will, will affect those around you. Come on now. I, I just believe that Absalom was, uh, was not going through this alone. I believe it was uh, affecting some others around him. I'm going to share some of that with you here in a little bit. Absalom was dealing with this and it led him to a place of vengeance. Number one, he took matters into his own hands. How many today have struggled or you've seen a very, very similar situation that has taken place within your own life? Tamar had been raped by Amnon. David was frustrated, yet he did nothing about it. That bitterness led to him becoming so rebellious over a span of years that it eventually led to his demise, but it led from one sin to another, from one problem to another, from one circumstance to another, and nothing ever changed in his life. Ultimately, he was the one because of his bitterness that would override the leadership that God had put in place. I know this is a hard message, but I got to preach what God gives me. The problem is if you're bitter, you can't see God's way. Because your mind is clouded, your spirit's clouded. If you're angry, you can't see God's way. If you're dealing with these things, bitterness and anger, your decisions will be based on vengeance rather than righteousness. There are many today that would rather have their day than let God have his way. They want to be justified. They want to be proven right. They want to be vindicated, so to speak. Absalom wanted to be vindicated, justified for what he had done. But it wasn't happening the way he thought it would happen. I want to tell you today that there are many that would rather see people hurt than they would see God changing their life. They would rather stand on their heels and judge and crucify and condemn a person for their sin than they had let God, who is the only one who can cleanse them, change their life. I've had people say, preacher, how in the world can you allow this to happen and, and these people to do this? Don't you know what they're doing? I've had this in my ministry everywhere I've ever been. I said, yeah, I understand there may be some things going on there, but I know my God is able to change their lives. And I'm asking God to help me to pull them in and be a, a minister, be a, a conduit that God can work through them in their life. If we push away everybody that's ever had a sin problem, 
we wouldn't have nobody coming to the cross. We'd have them hanging around in the bars and in the streets. God, give me somebody who understands the purpose of it all. We don't need to be justified, amen, by or vindicated by things that make us look right. We need to let the righteousness of God prevail in our actions. Oh, when you get out of the order of God, you miss the vision of God, the purpose of his plan. Again, as I said earlier, the purpose of his plan is more important than anything. That's what it's all about. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 20 said, Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Do what's right. Look at somebody around you and say, Do what's right. I know sometimes it ain't easy. It ain't easy sometimes. Sometimes sometime you don't want to do what's right. Sometimes you just want to do what you feel. And that's what Absalom did. What he felt. But the Bible said do what's right. Don't return evil for evil, but do what's right. Not what's popular. Not what makes everybody feel good around you. Do what's right. Even when it's not popular. Do what's right. Why? Because it's the righteousness of God that will stand. In the midst of it all. Absalom didn't want to do anything but what Absalom felt like doing. And what did he feel like doing? Getting vengeance. He felt like killing his brother and judging him and condemning him and getting rid of him. And he did just that. He felt like turning against his father, David, the leader of Israel. He felt like that he was the man that that, that could deal with these issues and these things that were going on. But I want to tell you, amen to God, that God has called us all to a place and we need to stay in that place where God's called us to. If it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I'm thankful for that word possible. Woo. Sometimes it ain't possible. Sometimes people don't want to live in peace. They're flat-footed. See, the thing about Absalom, Absalom didn't think he was wrong. He thought he was right. You couldn't have convinced him any other way. People cannot, and not everybody's going to be peaceable with you because they don't understand and their eyes are, are not enlightened to the truth of God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Verse 19, he said, I will repay. That's good enough for me. <laughs> That's good enough for me. Let God be God. We're not God, but God is God. Be not hasty and angry in thy spirit, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. 
Why is that? Because we make foolish decisions. We get bitter, we get angry, and we don't make decisions that are pleasing to God. We can't hear clearly. Absalom couldn't hear clearly. He didn't see uh, uh, what should be done and how he should respond in righteousness because he allowed himself to get in this place. And it not only affected his life, he was miserable. I don't know about you, but somebody said, well, preacher, I'm looking for peace. I just need the peace of God. Well, if you let go of that mess going on in your life, amen, to God lay it at the feet of Jesus, you might have some peace. If you'll let go and forgive, you might have some peace. If you'll get over some things in your life, you might have some peace. We've got to be able to get over some things in our life and let it go in order to rest in the peace of God. Amen. God, his truth trumps our feelings over bitterness any day because it brings peace. It brings peace. We got to understand that vengeance is something that happens when bitterness begins to grow and to swell and the toxicity of what's happening of the enemy just unbearingly grows, waxes worse and worse. In Psalm chapter four, verse four through six, the Bible said, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Amen. Put your trust in the Lord. Absalom stewed in bitterness for two years. Two years. I thought about that. I said, now, I wonder how his life was going for two years. Every day, he'd walk outside his house and could not enjoy the beauty of the sunshine for the bitterness in his soul. Every day, he'd wake up and try to have conversation with somebody, but he couldn't for the bitterness in his soul. What a miserable life he must have been living. He could not enjoy the blessings of God because he couldn't get his mind off that bitterness, that hatred, Oh, that, that, that anger, it just grew and grew and grew and grew. He, he couldn't think about coming together and, and, and blessing somebody because all he could think about was hurting somebody. He couldn't think about embracing the will of God because all he could do was embrace what the enemy had planted in his spirit. Ain't this, ain't this it's good, it's good. I mean, my goodness, I, I've sat down at the table before with things on my mind and my wife look over at me and she say, what's the matter with you? I thought what I cooked was good. And it was. Very good. But what's the matter with you? Sometimes I'd sit down at the table and I got things on my mind and, and I can't enjoy the taste of the food for what I've got going on in my spirit. Absalom could not enjoy life because the enemy was taking him on a miserable ride. Tense, tension, strife, alienation, embarrassment, I don't know. Shame, I don't think it was there. Division, absolutely. 
For two years, he stood in bitterness and it didn't do anything to change the circumstances. Amen. You'd be mad till the cows come home. You can be upset. You can be bitter. But until you get to that altar of prayer and go before God and get him involved in the circumstance by prayer, nothing's ever going to change. You cannot let bitterness be your solace, be your guide, be your direction. You can't let the spirit of Absalom come into your life and take you on that journey. Don't do it. Somebody said, don't do it. My goodness, don't let the devil take you on a journey that'll leave you hanging in the end. Let God take you on a journey victorious from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky where his name is lifted forevermore on high. God, take us there. The enemy would do everything he can to suppress a church that has the truth and to suppress a people who are willing. Let me tell you who he fights the most, not the ones that he's already got working for him. He fights the hardest, those that are pulling near to the altars of prayer, those that are walking in God's precious Holy Ghost day by day. He fights the hardest. Those that he has won, he's not fighting them. He's fighting the church, what it stands for. He's fighting you as an individual, what you stand for. He wants to divide your family. He wants to mess up your home. He wants you living in misery. And he wants your church worshiping the very misery of the enemy. Not worshiping God. Worshiping in misery. You know what worshiping is, memory, misery is? Is when you come to church and you worship, but you ain't really worshiping, and it's misery. Amen. When you come to church and you say, well, I've come to worship the Lord, but when is the preacher going to quit? I've come to worship the Lord, but dear God, somebody hit a sour note. I come to worship the Lord, but you know, they got four people taking up offering. Where I come from, they had two. Maybe they want more money. I've come to worship the Lord, but my mind ain't anywhere else. But on everything the enemy wants my mind on. He wants to take me on that journey. I want to tell you that no matter how you feel, I talked about it last week, don't let your feelings guide you. You let the truth guide you. If you're going through struggles in your heart and you're dealing with problems and circumstances and things that are overwhelming you, you still have a choice to lift up the name of Jesus wherever you are. I can be riding down the road. My goodness, the enemy weighing on me, but I'm going to bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, 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 my soul. 
Bless his holy name. Why? Because it doesn't matter. My feelings may be surely where they're at, but I'm not going to let the enemy take me on a miserable journey. I'm about to go on a trip in praise that's going to lift my soul and it's going to drive that Absalom spirit away from my life. I don't want to get near it. I don't want it on me. I don't want it in me. I don't want to live in that misery. Somebody ought to give him glory right now and say, God, help me to live. Help me to live in this mindset. If you offend me, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, he's got you. If you hurt my feelings, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, he's got you. If you don't do what what, what God wants you to do, that's between you and God. But I'm feeling my purpose, and that is to preach the truth. And you don't know how hard it's been for me to preach this series of messages. You don't know how hard it's been for me to sit and study in depth, looking to God and saying, God, why do I have to do this? Riding on my way to church this morning, I was praying, God, don't let me preach this message. Somebody's going to get offended. Somebody's going to think I'm mad. Somebody's going to think the preacher's lost his mind. No, 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 no. He gave me this a while back. It's just now that he's released me to preach it. But God spoke to my heart and said, preach it anyway. I said, God, somebody might get mad with me. He said, vengeance is mine. Don't you worry about it. Somebody, amen, may start ridiculing you, talking about you. Amen. God said, don't you worry about it. That's not on you. That's on me. You just do what I've told you to do, and I'll change the heart. And if they don't want to change and surrender to the sovereign grace of God, it's on them. But the vengeance, the vengeance is not on me. Well, what if somebody leaves the church? I don't want you to leave. I want to see God move in everybody's life. But I can't help it if you reject the very word of God in your spirit just because you want to be right. Come on, somebody. It ain't about you being right. It's about God being holy in your church and in your life. And this is where the anointing comes. It's about him. It's not about us. It's about God. I'd rather have a church on fire running 50 than have 200 Absalom spirits filling up the church. My God, give me somebody that wants God to have his way. Fired him. The Absalom spirit turns fully to one mindset. And that is his rebellion. 
Not only does vengeance sit in, when it sets in, it is anointing. It builds and builds. Until number two, you become a ticking time bomb. It's hard. What does that mean? That means you wait and you stew and you stew and you stew. I just want to go say half the people that complain I've never seen at the altars. Half the people that will destroy you are never seen at the altars. They stew and they stew and they stew and they stew until one moment, pop goes a weasel. You never know when it's going to happen. But I promise you this, it'll happen in a moment when, as Absalom, they think the moment is right. Or maybe they've got around some Christian folk. Amen. And those Christian folks said the wrong thing. Maybe they got around some leaders and they came running to the leaders and say, well, I just want to tell you this is what ought to be and this is what ought to be. And the leaders turned around and said, well, this is what God says. And pop goes a weasel. But I want, I want, I want to, oh, I want God to lead me and guide me. Yeah, right. All the way up till you take over. Preacher, you're being hard on us today. Listen, if this don't shake you to the soul and, and, and help you to say, God, God, guard me against this spirit. Let me walk in your anointing. Let me walk in your grace. Because it's, it's tight, but it's right. Why is it important? God knows bad things happen. And sometimes you're not going to understand where God's leading you. I don't. I don't always understand. Sometimes I, well, a lot of times I'm praying. Sometimes I have to, to, to talk with a, another brother or sister in Christ that's got some, some spiritual discernment, just kind of share with them, you know, and, 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 and let them give me some insight. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But I ain't looking for Absalom to give me insight. I'm not looking for him to guide me. Because Absalom is swelling up. Church is split because somebody swole up and pop went the weasel. 
And the weasel wasn't the only one left. A whole bunch of folk left with them. And then you got people sitting back saying, well, God was in that. Really? 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 It may have happened, but all things good come from God. And I don't believe God's in the business of creating envy, bitterness, and strife. That comes of the devil. God didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil did. My goodness. I feel that. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. God came to give you life and give it more abundantly. The devil came to stop it. He came to shut it down. He wants you miserable. He wants you stewing over something you need to get over. He wants you stewing over something you need to be praying about. He wants you stewing over these things. Why? Because as long as you're stewing, you're not doing the ministry any good. You're not doing your church any good. And you're certainly not doing yourself any good. Somebody Somebody ought to give God glory right now and say it's time, amen, to not allow ourselves to get caught up. Goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. Everything hinges upon how we deal with it when we're made aware of it. The problem is you never know when the snap is coming. But I can assure you this. God may not have desired, but God will take away, take everything that goes wrong if we will surrender it to him and he'll make it right. Not only was Absalom inviting David to the sheep share and Absalom also convinced him to let Amnon go. And then he begins to give in 2 Samuel chapter 13 verse 28 this command. Anna Grace, if you'll come to me. Absalom commanded his servant saying, Mark ye now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine when I say to you, smite Amnon, then kill him. I mean, two years, and you still want him dead? Two years. Bible said he didn't say good or bad about him. He, he, he just couldn't stand him, wanted him dead. Two years. Two years, you couldn't even find God, God's Direction in two years? That's a long time to live in that kind of misery. In two years, he makes this plan, and he said, I'm going to have him killed. So Absalom's bitterness is now being, beginning to be perpetrated through his servants. We're going to get into this in the next few weeks, next couple of weeks. The Absalom spirit now, instead of him doing it, Instead of him carrying out the sin, he wants to involve others. What does that mean? What are you trying to say, preacher? Misery loves company. 
He's taken advantage of people that God sovereignly placed in your life. Let me say something that's very important. Don't abuse the relationships of people that God placed in your life. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't use them in a negative way. If you can't bless them and be an encouragement to them, just smile at them, wave at them, and keep on walking. Amen. But don't let your frustrations, your disappointments, be inserted into other people's lives. That you simply need to be taken to God in prayer. You know, it would have been good if Absalom would have just went to David. Would have maybe reasoned, you know, trying to understand maybe why. I think David might would have said, well, son, you just don't understand how God has been so good to me. I don't like it. But I didn't do, maybe he didn't, he didn't come to Ammon and deal with him because he realized how God had been merciful to him. Maybe he still had somewhat of a shame of what he had done. Maybe he just didn't feel worthy to judge him. I don't know. As king, he had the right. But in the midst of all this, Absalom could have found a better way. God's way. Their focus consists of looking for the right moment, using who they can, and doing by whatever means necessary to accomplish their vengeful desire. Stand with me if you will, please. I want to say this. Amnon was killed, but nothing changed, did it? It didn't change the fact of what happened. Whatever he did that day did not change nothing. It was a spirit of rebellion and bitterness that was going to grow and grow and grow. And not only would it accomplish this action of rebellion against God, it also resulted in rebellion against God's sovereign government grace let me say it this way you don't you don't get to do over what you've already done I was talking with someone the other day and we were talking about I'm just gonna say it say it this way if I went fishing with brother Freddie and I offended him that's not a, I was waiting on him to invite me again. But he ain't mad with me. But if I offended him in a deep, deep way, it's going to be hard for me. I mean, we can act like nothing ever happened, but it's going to be hard for him to follow me, right? Unless I'm able to come to him and sincerely from my heart bring that restitution, ask him to forgive me. Forgive me, brother. I didn't mean to catch the biggest fish the other day. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. It's not that he can't forgive me. 
but it's going to be hard unless. What does that mean? That there's a real place in God's grace and forgiveness that will put us in the right unified spirit. Right? In other words, what I'm saying, if we're not giving it, don't expect to get it. Amen? If we're not giving it, don't expect to give it. Get it. What does that have to do with anything? You know, the Absalom spirit is something that cannot be overcome just by saying, I'm sorry. Because Absalom didn't stop and that spirit won't stop. What does that mean? That means the only way that it's really going to be a victory over that spirit is when the Lord delivers a person from that spirit or a group from that spirit. Sometimes we talk about, well, it's individuality. I'll go ahead and tell you, clicks are tricks. Tricks of the devil. Clicks. Tricks. Look at somebody say, don't be a trick. Click, click. Turning that off right now. Clicks or tricks. Why are you saying these things? Division. Spirit of the enemy. Absalom. Vengeance. Ticking time bomb. Turn it off. Click, click. Clicks or tricks. If you can't love everybody in here today, right now, around you in this here sanctuary, you need to get to Jesus. Black, white, red, or yellow, poor, rich, tall, skinny, fat, it don't matter. Amen to God. God's called us to love everybody, not to let the Absalom spirit cause us to want to be vengeful and to be hateful and unforgiving toward them. God let us come together and break down every barrier, every clique. It I promise you there won't be no cliques in heaven. You ain't going to find the Baptists in one corner and the Pentecostals in the other. You're not going to find the praise team in one corner and the pastors in the other. You're not going to find the evangelists. Amen. We may be fellowshipping, but it's going to be an open open place where fellowship is fluid and where it doesn't matter what color you are, what you did in this life, what God called you to. It's going to be an eternal glory. It don't matter if you owned a BMW, lived in a mansion, or lived in a shack my God somebody ought to thank God it's a place where his grace has provided us eternal rest for all eternity I've got about two more weeks three at the most of this I want y'all to bear with me and I want you to come so where the preacher's preaching that message again it's going to be a hard one maybe I'll just stay home Let the Lord speak to your heart. You may not be dealing with it. Maybe you are. But irregardless, it's something we, even as leaders, 
need to be aware of. I promise you, I watched it. I'm not playing favorites. I'm not going to do that. And I may not always make the decisions you want me to make. The council may not always make the decisions you want us to make. But I promise you this. If we're wrong, God will fix it. God will fix it. We're not setting out to be wrong. We pray over things. But if we're wrong, it's not your job to rebel. It's your job to undergird and pray. Say, hey, I, you know, before you start judging, you could have been the one that made that decision. You could have been the one that was wrong. Sometimes it may be wrong, but I promise you this, if we let God lead us, even when we may miss it a little bit, God's going to carry us anyway. He's going to bless us anyway because he knows our hearts are fixed on him. This morning, I want to ask you all over the church, if you appreciate God's word, whether it's, in, whether it's to, to exhort you or whether it's to, to challenge you or whether it's to warn you, if you appreciate his word coming, whether it hurts, whether it's good, whether, whether it makes you feel good or whether it really convicts, will you give him a thanks today for his wonderful word? And while you're giving him that same thanks, if there's anyone, every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment, no one looking around. If you've got a need this morning, I don't care what it is. We're serving the God who is able. As we sang before, he's able to move that mountain. He's able to turn those situations around. Maybe you're dealing with a uh, some things in your life and you need to guard yourself against this Absalom spirit so it doesn't wreck you so it does I don't care what your need is this altar's open this morning and I just want to let you know that we'll be here to pray with you not to judge you because we know this that God loves you and he is looking past those circumstances those struggles and looking for your heart to reach out and touch him right now. In the blessed name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. Father, I just come to you today. I've shared what you've given me. I ask you, God, that you would anoint and speak the Lord to the very soul and let us, God, be prepared and postured, Lord, to guard against these very things that you've shared in this message today. That, Father, you would take us from glory to glory. That all that we do, Father, would bring honor and glory to you. And, Father, if there's any bottlenecks, any handicaps, any things, Lord, that the enemy has planted in our way that would set us off on the path, that this spirit would wreak havoc in us. God, protect us from those landmines. God, protect us, Father, from those, those cliques, Lord, that are not beneficial to the body, but they're only beneficial, Lord, to the spirit of Absalom. God, I thank you for your wonderful grace, for your everlasting mercy, for all that we will experience eternally when this journey is done. Have we surrendered at the cross and accepted Christ? Turn from those waves of sin to live our life in your grace and by your spirit.
for your glory. Be glorified today. Be glorified today. Be glorified today. How many believe that today that God is still clearly, clearly aware of all that's happening in your life?